0: Alright, welcome to Film Flam. This is uh, Film Flam Sean. I've got Film Flam Colin with me. And today we'll be discussing Lauren Fash's Through the Glass Darkly. First on the Silence of God trilogy. Colin, are you not gonna say anything about that?
1: Wait, what did you even say? I was like waiting for a pause. You
0: said, S- who's? We're, we're, today we're discussing Lauren Fash's Through the Glass Darkly. 2020 film lauren
1: wait oh no 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 what
0: i know you're screwing with me okay fine yeah no i am um it's ingmar bergman's through a glass darkly
1: literally though i was like i did a google search for this movie and a whole bunch of other shit with the same name popped up
0: dude yeah it's like hard to even find it on google it's kind of fucking bullshit
1: yeah i was like wait this shit has like a 5.0 on IMDB and I'm like no that's some you know much newer film so fuck
0: that. Yeah, no, it's bullshit. Oh, and also I think we got to give a big warm juicy thank you to Johnny V who supplied the new and beautiful intro music which I'm sure the whole Flamily will enjoy. So <laughs>
1: there it is the first use of <laughs> Flamily.
0: Yes. This uh, that term was was born about a week and a half ago, I think.
1: And I think you promised to stop referring to us as "film flam" Sean or oh. "film flam" Colin.
0: <laughs> oh wait, yeah. Did you say you didn't like when I do that? <laughs>
1: it's not that I don't like it so much as that I abhor every utterance out of your
0: mouth. That's... But you, but but that, oh oh. But it is crazy though because you invented that. So if anything, it should be like a compliment. It's like,
1: I fear what I have created type
0: thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, hey, that's Film Flam Colin for you. But anyways, we welcome the whole Film Flamily to this, uh, this episode. And yes, we will be discussing the first in Ingmar Bergman's Silence of God trilogy. And we will probably not discuss the other two, so hopefully this does it. But first, Colin, why don't you ask me a question?
1: Okay, well... You missed something. Is this a uh, box office success or a failure?
0: It's actually a box office mystery. So I could not find any information on the budget, the box office, nothing. So I would say failure. I I would default (laughs) to failure. But but to be fair, it's a box office mystery.
1: Yeah, that makes sense because, I mean, older-ish movies like this – didn't have stuff like that really meticulously recorded like who knows the receipts at the swedish you know theaters or whatever yeah but still interesting i i guess that it would probably be somewhat a success like made its money back type of thing no way probably didn't have super big of a budget i mean it's only got four actors
0: and oh that's true
1: i want to know though is this your first ingmar bergman film
0: Fuck no. My first Ingmar Bergman film was The Seventh Seal. um, Okay. I
1: I haven't seen that one. Obviously, it's super famous. I know it for the scene where the dude plays chess with death, which is obviously
0: hugely famous. Yeah, pretty sick scene. Very nice visually. And yeah, in my uh, high school film class, I chose that movie and presented on it.
1: Oh, that's cool. So how was it?
0: It was good. Yeah, I think it really resonated with me at the time.
1: Okay, interesting, because this is my very first Ingmar. This Not is your, to your be first with
0: taste of Ingrid. Bergman. And are they related?
1: I don't think so. I don't know. This might just be a Swedish surname or something. That
0: had actually confused me, because in The Godfather, there's a line where Michael and... I forget Michael's lady's name, but they're walking. Like, she says, like, something about, would you love me better if I was Ingrid Bergman? And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all the seventh seal directly
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious actually i also love how everything goes back to the godfather
0: it really does for me that's uh bring up
1: about. marlon brando we got the godfather bring up great I mean, godfather bring up yeah. adam sandler you literally <laughs> have an anecdote about the godfather
0: <laughs> that's true that's true i mean better than all going back to jack and jill i guess Although it kind of does that as well. (laughs) Yeah, you just did it again. Dude, if you go on Ingrid Bergman's Wikipedia page, the very first thing that comes up is not to be confused with Ingmar Bergman.
1: It's very similar for sure. They're probably both Swedish. It is, yeah.
0: It is to be confused.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So do you feel like watching The Seventh Seal, did that help prepare you for this movie at all? Because it was an interesting, you know, I was thrust into the middle of this style yeah
0: yeah i feel like it kind of did yeah i mean um, yeah you can definitely feel the ingrid or wait is it <laughs> <laughs> fuck <laughs> the ingmar bergman it, like and, and like i love the just the setting that was one thing i was going to to talk to you about when we get fully into it but it was like faro or however the fuck you pronounce that yeah um, he
1: made like multiple movies on this island and then yeah. bought a house there apparently
0: yeah, I think it's awesome. It's so beautiful. And I was like looking into, I was like, man, could I like move to one of these places that is just uh-huh. beautiful in that exact way? And unfortunately, the answer is no, I think at least not soon. I don't know, like, a, like a lot of uh, Europe has those regions that are so stunningly beautiful in that particular way that it makes me want to just retire and give up all my ambitions and move there and just soak it all in. But Unfortunately, yeah, we can't do that, and uh, I think that might take away a little bit from the Film Flam podcast, which is the, the major thing, so.
1: Yeah, we gotta, every priority is centered around the flam, as we refer the to flam.
0: it. Yep, the, because the other we interesting love our thing,
1: That's true. The other interesting thing, I, I was looking up Bergman's filmography, and he was super freaking prolific, dude. I didn't realize he directed, like, over 60 films which is absolutely insane. Yeah, that's like so many. I think that's probably more than like Woody Allen, who has made a movie a year for like 50 years at this point. How do you even do that? How do you have that much to like excrete? That's a horrible way to put it, but creatively, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Do you have any sense of how good those movies were besides the like main ones?
1: Some of them are obviously like more famous and more important overall in his filmography but i'm sure he held himself to a somewhat high standard considering i don't even think this one that we watched is like one of his more famous ones but hmm. i still thought it was like very good yeah. so yeah. i doubt he made like any like stinkers
0: yeah fair yeah it it is kind of interesting to me when people will be that prolific cuz uh like this one artist Harold Budd is a uh, yeah musician that i really like i sent you i think I think a song that I sent you, I was like, listen to this. This is like, like top tier ambient. And I think it was, I think your response was like, oh, like now I could kind of like see how this would be a cool genre potentially. And, yeah, I mean that
1: was an 18 minute song. So at first I was like, <laughs> yeah. what the heck, Sean? But then it it was a cool song for sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's really nice. And then I feel like a decent amount of his like huge uh, catalog is is maybe not that good. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting when that. When that happens, but I'm also seeing that Ingmar Bergman, um, who by the way his wife was named Ingrid, just to make it even worse.
1: No, you mean one of his wives. Oh, that's true. Because he he even dedicated Through a Glass Darkly to one of his wives who was not named Ingrid. Wow, so weird to dedicate this movie about like schizophrenia yeah, and incest and be like, this is for my love.
0: That yeah, it is. It is really weird. There's kind of it's hard for me to even. I don't even know how to get around. that. Like, I guess you sort of, all the focus on the woman in the movie is kind of like beautiful and feels like love in a certain sense, but that, that does really feel like a stretch.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry for
0: interrupting. What were you saying? No, it's all right. It was only three or four times. Um, the, uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm totally I'm I'm t- good. Um, uh, but it also looks like he wrote three novels and one autobiography. That's crazy. That would actually be interesting crazy. to read.
1: Yeah, especially because he also wrote this movie. It's like, dang, dude, is prolific as heck and also definitely super creative and well-rounded. Like, the writing is super good in this movie, as is the directing.
0: Yeah, thank you to the Swedes for this. Thank you to Wikipedia for giving us <laughs> this knowledge. This <laughs> yeah. is the only
1: place that I find it. Dude, let's yeah. get into this movie. We gotta dive it. deep. We gotta delve.
0: Let's fucking go. Take us there, Carl.
1: Okay, let me just start off by saying this might be a crazy take, okay? Are you ready for a crazy take?
0: Oh, do it.
1: I think this movie is the first masterpiece that we may have full-on masterpiece that we've covered here. Actually, now that I think about that, I might have to qualify that, because Modern Time's probably a a masterpiece. Also, Magnificent Ambersons might be a minor masterpiece, but this one, like... The game. (laughs) Stop. This one just hit me like nothing else. This for me is a perfect like five star out of five star film. Wow. Masterpiece. Also only film that we've covered that I
0: cried watching, which I did multiple times. Wow. Well, that that's beautiful. I gotta say, I didn't like it that much. Are you serious, dude? Yeah, yeah. I I was like like, there were things that I really liked about it. And I don't know if maybe this could have been my mood partially or other shit i was thinking about but i was kind of just getting through it to be totally honest okay
1: at first i feel you it starts off a little slow it's all about these kind of banal family dynamics and there's not that much going on but by the end when everything comes to a head i was like totally sucked in completely enraptured emotionally devastated
0: very interesting okay well then i i am looking forward to hearing your Like like why why it had that effect on you and what I may have missed. So yeah, let's let's uh, get into it. I will say I did really like the overall atmosphere of the movie, Um, even from the beginning. It like so sometimes at least for me starting a movie I can be like man this this is gonna be kind of a an ordeal or something. Like sometimes I'm pretty excited to start a movie and then sometimes I'm like feeling a little more scattered and I'm like shit I gotta I gotta lock my attention onto something for multiple hours, potentially. But but then, like, when you turn a movie on and you're just immediately, like, sucked into the vibe and the atmosphere and just the world that you're entering, it's I, I just love that particular feeling from, from film. And I definitely got that from this movie, uh, just with the beautiful shots. And then also just this kind of weird, prolonged discussion that they're having about who's going to take the nets in And when and like whether to change first, like it's it's sort of this weird, unnecessarily long conversation um, that's and it kind of like like just it makes you squint from the beginning um, and and gets you gets you hooked a little bit. So I like that.
1: Totally, totally. The vibe throughout was awesome. The setting really adds to that, like you're saying, on this island of let's just call it Pharaoh. It's what it looks like. And there's all of these cool things, like the cottage that's kind of run down that they're living in. Yeah. That crazy like shipwreck that they go to. Everything about it. And I think the way that it's shot and the lighting and the fact that it's in black and white adds to the vibe overall. But totally, I think we're in agreement there, there that it's super cool. For sure. What else did you like about it?
0: I thought the characters were all... Really good, and I thought like there were there were certain things that I felt pretty strongly about. So I really did not dig Martin's relationship to Karen. Karen. Yeah. So she, I hate just all of his lust and like the weird kind of way that comes out. And I feel for him in a way. I mean, he can't have sex with his own wife it's just the way he was with her was just creeping me the fuck out that kind of the whole time that was, I, it was cool how how powerful that that was i thought um and just i mean again you can't really fault him for it but um you, you really see that kind of not frustration isn't even the right word but just that the strength of his desire in that way a lot of the shots were just really beautiful um honestly and like the lighting was cool there was that one shot where she's laying with i think with Martin and then the light is just on the her eye. one eye yeah
1: yes dude that shot was awesome
0: yeah that was super cool the relationship between Martin and the dad is really interesting and their their dialogue on the boat as uh, the dad is sort of making this well, not even confession necessarily. It was kind of stolen out of his diary. But as they're talking about this, the relationship he has to his daughter and this, this like little bit, just kind of wrong fascination with it, and kind of seeming like it's using her a bit. And then I liked the the brother. I thought he was really fun and interesting, and uh, yeah, I think he captured the the sort of youthful adolescence um, at that at that time really well. And I liked the relationship um between them so i thought yeah those were some of the things that i that i enjoyed
1: i agree i think all the characters are one of the strong points of the movie and the fact that you only have four of them and the whole thing is kind of structured and shown like a play they're mostly around this like really small area it's like really contained the cast included with only the four players and then so that's interesting when they have the play within play But I agree. Characters were all good. The brother Minus (laughs) was definitely an interesting character as well. But I think Karin was far and away the most interesting.
0: For sure. And
1: I'm not sure. I definitely did not feel the weirdness about the desire of Martin to to lay with his wife, let's call it. No. I mean, the only thing that was maybe weird is I felt like their relationship had a bit of an age gap. Like her husband seems like the same age as her father which is like a little bit weird Mm. maybe but it's like yeah the dude seems like they were being intimate at some point and then most likely due to her illness and maybe her treatments as well she lost the desire and she even says like I think my desire will come back soon. And he's like, uh, you know, yeah, Yeah. he wants it, but like, it's not super creepy or weird. I I didn't interpret it that way. Anyway,
0: I don't, I don't know that. I don't think he's actually doing anything wrong, but I think the way you see it, like you see, for example, when they're sort of cuddling the way his, his lips are uh, the way he's sort of like moving his lips on her cheek. There's a couple times like that. And the, the thing for me is just, she clearly doesn't want it. She clearly does not have any interest in him, but he still has this pretty powerful lust, which I, I just, I don't know. I just found it unpleasant to watch. I'm not, I'm not faulting Martin for his desires, but... It was just it was just giving me the, the creeps a little bit
1: okay I could see that and a lot of people when I was looking up opinions on this movie say that it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to watch yeah it wasn't super straightforward and entertaining it was kind of hard to watch and I could see that but I think there were much more intense and disconcerting things than Martin's desire which you you probably agree with right yeah for sure what about going back to the characters what do you think about the acting? portraying them
0: uh, i thought the acting was good I, I i don't know how much like the dad sometimes i felt like i wasn't totally getting his acting but for the most part i felt like the acting was quite strong certainly from Karine. she was like incredible the whole time
1: dude yeah she was so good especially like a lot of those scenes towards the middle and the end when she's flirting with going off into the deep end and like Then having, like, these lucid moments was absolutely insane. Like, really good acting, for sure.
0: Yeah, and there was one particular quote. I wish I had gotten it beforehand. But where she's with the brother, and they're on, like, the sort of, like, cliffside or whatever. And then she describes something that she sees in the distance in kind of a weird way. And then she says something like, I can only really say this to you, I would never say this to them because they wouldn't understand. But it, it, I remember that being interesting because it felt like the thing that she was saying was sort of weird and kind of indicative of her uh, mental illness, but also, if I recall correctly, kind of beautiful. Like it was an interesting way of seeing the world or seeing something. It's a genuine thing in that she's having these, you know, powerful experiences that to her really are real and really do matter. And... They they kind of are like like as far as they are experiences that's you know that itself is important and sometimes like in that in that case even someone who's not schizophrenic can kind of connect with it and see that she's seeing this world imbued with the sort of extra meaning that it doesn't have but you can kind of like get a glimpse of it and appreciate it but then of course it she actually does have like a very destructive mental illness
1: yeah and that's one of the uh i think the main thing that is so like emotionally devastating about this movie and it's even when she says to her brother like they wouldn't understand like you're the only person who will i don't even think that the brother understands fully or at all
0: not fully but i i thought with that uh, i wish i could pull up the actual quote i thought it was like something kind of cool that but then there was like an extra element of it that was more indicative of her mental illness.
1: Yeah, interesting. I mean, she says that multiple times throughout the movie and in the scene where they're in like that weird attic room with the wallpaper and her brother's there, oh, I think she yeah. says something similar to that when she's talking about her basically full delusions about God revealing her- himself mm. to her through the wallpaper and shit, which I thought it was interesting God is presented as a part of her delusions. Mm. The other thing that I was thinking, I was like, when they're in this weird shipwreck, is this like a part, is this like also subtly, um, and this could be totally out there, but representative of it's like the arc, but also it's like destroyed, like God is like dead or whatever. I (laughs) I don't know. That's probably reaching. But like you're saying about the writing, I thought that was one of the, biggest strong points about the movie i thought it was super well written and it's always crazy when you're watching like a foreign film not in your native language Ugh, oh, this is so well written but it's also like translated yeah i bet it'd be so good in the original language like oh i want to experience that
0: yeah yeah totally. Um,
1: but a lot of the dialogue was was just insanely good yeah agree?
0: yeah there was a lot of a lot of good stuff for sure and just yeah her her like Hell yeah descriptions of her delusions and stuff i thought were were really interesting as well i did yeah one of the most captivating scenes for me was just when she was describing the scene that of of like god coming this whole delusion in her mind not when he actually came later but just just this idea and and it just like really got me into the mindset of what what that would feel like to be like man like he is coming whoever this i mean it's god but there's this like incredibly important being and there's like everyone just recognized the recognizes the power of this thing and like it's about to happen like that's just a fucking crazy state of mind to be in
1: absolutely it's so crazy and it's even crazier because like at first in the beginning of the movie you don't even realize like the extent of her issues, obviously. And you know, like, she had this illness. They never say that it's, like, (laughs) schizophrenia, which it clearly is, I think. Um, And she, you know, had electroshock therapy, they say, for that, which is crazy. But she seems, like, very suspiciously fine throughout the movie. And then there's that crazy scene. She wakes up next to Martin, and, like, she looks very distraught, like, the moment she wakes up. And then she, like, goes upstairs it portrays her hearing voices. And you're like, oh no. Like, yeah. Now it's it's happening, yeah. So then it's crazy when you fully see the extent of what she describes from the voices and what they make her do. And then, like, at the end, when her father and Martin are, like, watching her uh, have these delusions. Yeah. like... It's just such a crazy journey from the very beginning when everything fi- seems fine till like the very end where she goes full psycho
0: mode. Yeah, it is crazy. And yeah, because at the beginning you're not nearly as worried about her and you're thinking more about, you know, the role of the father in their life and the way that he's kind of leaving them uh, behind a little bit. And they have that dinner and Minas really kind of calls him out um, and, and is like pushing on that, you know, he promised that he was going to not leave again and that that whole thing and that was really sad and you're like yeah you're like shit man and then like the dad just kind of deals with his anxiety by well he goes and cries which is you're like fuck and then he but he's just like kind of trying to smoke like he he's like oh i need my tobacco um which i thought was was pretty interesting and then she ends up you know just totally turning inside out and i i did like uh, the scene where i think that they're getting ready to leave and then she's in the room and then I think Martin is trying to take her or whatever. And then she's like, she's just like, let me have a, a moment or something like that. She's like, because she, she wants to basically see God or something. And then yeah. Martin sits down. And I thought that was really cool because it's like, you know, yeah, this isn't real in like an absolute sense. But this is very real to her. Let her have this experience. Like, don't don't take away from her, you know this this huge meaningful event.
1: But it's at the same time it's so devastatingly sad because yeah. everybody around her like knows that this is all just one, like a delusion or a paranoid schizophrenic like break basically that she's having. Totally.
0: And she kind of gets that too. Or she gets that they think that, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. She even like says like it's not in that particular scene, but she's like describing what is happening to her and she's like this can't not be real like Mm. this has to be real it is it like feels so real and then minu says like well it's not real to me
0: that was actually a really cool piece of dialogue i I forgot about that but that being his response i think was was really cool it it kind of like respected her in a in a sense He, he wasn't just you know telling her that it was all fake but he was just like no for me that's just not how it is.
1: <laughs> yeah dude I think we need to talk about the relationship between Karen and Minus. Yeah
0: let's get into it. Which is very fraught. <laughs> yeah. But I think
1: the first interesting thing we are shown about their relationship is when they're like going to get milk they've got the milk pail. Yep. And yep. he like freaks out all of a sudden and he kind of chides her for sunbathing and like wearing revealing clothes and stuff like that and it's he says something interesting about how it makes him feel like a skinned rabbit (laughs) i think i I think that's it which is a great uh line he does seem like very i don't know like sexually frustrated throughout almost at first i was like is he gay because Mm. he you know said that weird stuff about his sister and then he's like i wish i could like talk to father but then we realize later that uh, those are those are kind of separate things. He is kind of they're sexually just trying frustrated, to fuck. I, oh, I don't know about that, but he's <laughs> no. also like desperate to communicate on a deep level with his father.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, that uh, that scene that you're talking about with the the milk thing, that was I was like, wait, this feels weird between them. Like it it did to me seem like he was saying that he was kind of attracted to his sister, and but I was like. Is that really the the way this is gonna go? But just because the the specific words he used were weird, it was like he was she was talking about how he's gonna get uh you know a girlfriend or whatever, and then and then yeah he's like you're saying he was like he was like oh you like you're like you do do all this hugging and kissing with me and you're like half naked when you're sunbathing blah blah. It was like that's a really weird response I, I'm not quite sure what to think of how he sees his his sister or what their you know relationship is like you know in a broader sense but that uh, that was kind of setting off some alarm in my head and I was like this this feels like too flirty like I, I like I have a sister and like we would never interact in that kind of way like it was a little it didn't feel like the normal just plain sibling playfulness.
1: Of course not. Yeah, I think the thing is that maybe he's not necessarily like attracted to his sister, but he just recognizes. I see.
0: Oh right.
1: Your mature body and like when you're doing stuff like that, it makes me uncomfortable because you are my sister, and I don't want to think of you in that way. But it's just like confusing, especially because okay, he's like a seventeen-year-old yeah. guy. The only thing probably he's done is like look at these like pinup magazines that yeah. we see later. I'm sure he's probably never had a girlfriend. There are no girls on this island, right? It's just his sister. Uh, Mm. Yeah, it's just confusing for sure, but it's so weird. And then I don't think it helps how she behaves. And we later learn is like caused by her illness is making her behave in certain ways towards him that she regrets when she's lucid.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Uh, Yeah. And, And it does feel there's this sort of weird tension there where she seems way more playful and flirty the whole movie with Minas than she is with her own husband yeah yeah she's constantly pushing her husband away and yeah i mean maybe part of that too is because uh, yeah like the same thing as her saying to her brother always like this is you're the only person i can talk about this with and whatever all that thing so she's all that part of her maybe is only comfortable with him and that's maybe why she's more shutting her husband down and moving towards her brother but it's definitely a, a pretty weird dynamic
1: It's super weird. I think most of it is actually her illness because when she talks about Martin to Minus and says that, yeah, I actually wish I had written this down too, but it culminates in her saying that she's sacrificed Martin in this other world, basically.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: And that, like, the people tell her that, like, when God comes or whatever basically like this world like or it's martin and like she has sacrificed martin which is crazy and there's a scene between them where they talk about like the trueness of their love and how she says things turn out bad but they would turn out well if like our love was true yeah and he says well maybe like you don't truly love me then and it is pretty obvious he's like very smitten with her and truly loves her And then we do find out that that is the case. Seems like she has cast him aside in a sense. And that also her illness is making her move towards Minus instead. So it's very horrifying, actually.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and yeah, you never just get a sense that she like really just loves and is smitten with Martin. Like it, it always feels like she's sort of more pushing him away for the most part. And it's, it's a bummer. It's not, it's not really comfortable on either end. Like that sucks for Martin and it also sucks for her. So it's just kind of, yeah, it's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. I, in my head, they were like had a more traditional loving relationship before a lot of this went down. And, uh, it just seems to me that her schizophrenia is pushing her in one direction away from him.
0: Yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah oh now okay so we talk, <laughs> <Let's go.
1: laughs> We talked about the relationship between her and her brother let's talk about the relationship between Karin wait
0: whoa 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 we did not finish with her brother oh we don't you have more well i just like what the fuck like oh you're right
1: we did not why finish. did yeah, yeah, yeah. sex implication
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so you you can tee that up
1: Oh Well, it's a very interesting sequence where he's, like, painting a chair. They're, like, chilling on the beach. And then she goes, there's a storm coming. And she's clearly freaking out. She runs away. And it's very weird because even I was like, where did she go? (laughs) Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's, like, this new area we've never seen before. And he just knows that she's inside this, like, weird wrecked ship. And she's, like, lying, huddling, clearly having an episode. And then there's a very clear in my opinion implication of an incestual uh, act which was uncomfortable for me but thank goodness it like fades out um but tell me talk to me yeah it wasn't long
0: well yeah um i mean it was obviously super weird i think she later describes it as her sort of making him do or like blaming herself do you remember exactly what the what the quote was to her father
1: no but she clearly says that the voices like make her do stuff to him and she says like poor Minus because she clearly regrets it
0: yeah and it does seem like poor poor Minus because I I feel like it's yeah I mean obviously he has his own sort of confusing thing going on there's that but he does really feel like a victim of that that doesn't seem like something that Minus was actually into you know Um, even if he participated but yeah i i don't know i was just curious if you had any broader sense of of why her the voices would would push her to to do that i don't does that like sort of i don't know like chrysan the the throwing away of martin or something i yeah i don't know i wasn't sure how to take it
1: yeah that's an interesting question maybe it is like throwing away this traditional legitimate loving relationship because she even says at some point to martin she says you are so loving and i'm so horrible or something like that do you know what i'm talking Mm, about yeah i'm sure that's like her illness manifesting maybe she doesn't think she deserves like a true relationship Mm. and these like thoughts are taking her towards something that she thinks she deserves like this weird (laughs) incestual not loving confusing situation um or it's just Mm. there is no meaning it's illness manifesting itself it doesn't need like direction or a, a real reason it just is how it manifested i'm not sure
0: yeah yeah that seems fair i'm not, not exactly sure how to read it but so um you wanted to move on to the father
1: yeah the relationship between the father and his art i guess which is novel writing and his daughter Karen, i thought was really interesting
0: yeah for sure
1: uh, mainly how it seems like Karen's mother had the same thing happen to her. I think it's implied that. Um, and when she died, her father says something like, he really like took her death and put it into his work. And then when he became successful mm. from that, it meant more to him than her death. Which is really interesting. Mm. And also that in the beginning of the film, he comes back from Switzerland. He's going to leave again on another trip. And he says that, it's because he couldn't really deal with his daughter's illness which is really interesting and he has this kind of perverse fascination with her illness that he yeah reveals he kind of is fascinated with how it is progressing and that maybe he thinks he can imbue that into his work as well and achieve a greater success artistically because i believe his books sell well but Minu says something like he only cares about the reviews.
0: Yeah. And
1: the very, very interesting conversation between the father and Martin on the boat. Martin. Where Martin really goes to town on his books saying he has, like, never written a true word. And it's all just, like, clever half-truths and things like that. Which the father basically agrees with, in a sense. So I think he is creatively a bit impotent. But... By the end of the film, he has come more to terms with his relationship with Karin and with like his love for her and his family, which is kind of hinted at when he tells Martin about his failed suicide attempt. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm Mm. throwing a lot out here. What do you think about like their relationship between Karin and the art and the suicide attempt? What was like the meaning of all that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I honestly felt pretty bad for the dad because it was like. Shit, man! Like this guy isn't fully connecting on the on the right level with his daughter's like horrible condition. It, like he, he he realizes it. He's not. He's not. I don't find him as hateable as Martin does. And you know, I'm not married to Karen, so that's probably why. But he's he recognizes and has some some guilt about it. He's not just a guy that's like I'm here to make art and like it's bigger than my daughter. So like seeing this is, you know, actually useful or whatever. Like it's, he, he clearly is kind of torn up about it. And I feel bad that that's, you know, just kind of the state of his, of his mind. The failed suicide thing was crazy. That was just a very interesting anecdote. Uh, yeah, I don't really know like exactly what to to take from that, but it, it was a cool anecdote. And I thought that that whole scene of him and Martin talking on the boat was, was really interesting because... Yeah, the dad doesn't really get defensive. He recognizes that there is a problem there. Um, and you, and he does I think early, he knows that he's not relating to his family in the right way too when earlier Minos really pushes him at when they're at the table about promising, you know, that he was going to like actually come home and he, you know, yeah. goes and is is very upset. So, I think he recognizes these these problems and it's it's I I honestly feel feel bad for him.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't, like, feel bad for him. I thought that there was some semblance of growth uh, throughout the film, which I enjoyed, especially in the scene right before Karen's last big episode when she's lucid and they're having a talk and it, he reveals about her mother and how he left to try and escape her illness and stuff like that. I feel like they really connect there. And then in the very last scene with the son, I feel like he connects with him. Uh, I think that's the main point of that last scene. So I thought that was cool, but also he he doesn't seem like the greatest dad. I mean, he's just getting like Yeah, definitely not. gifts that probably yeah. at the last minute that like don't fit and Martin has the exact one and all that type of stuff. So.
0: Yep, yep. In-
1: interesting character though. It was cool how we have these four very distinct and interesting characters and how they play off each other. So I think that's one of the main strengths of the film. I'm curious, though, we're talking a lot about the dynamics, like a lot about the writing. What didn't you like, especially? What was it about it that didn't strike you or grab you?
0: I, You know, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to, like, say what what didn't, because like, I don't feel like there was anything that pushed me away, per se. Uh, and some of these things, yeah, looking back, there were a lot of individual moments that I liked. I don't know. I guess I just didn't feel totally brought in to, you know, the core, the core drama of it. I don't. Yeah, I really, I really don't know.
1: Yeah, that was the same thing you said about the magnificent Ambersons. So like this, because obviously this movie is very, very focused on Karen's mental illness and how that affects her family and stuff like that. And I think yeah, all of the dynamics are pretty centered around that. So was that main conceit, like, not super interesting to you emotionally or intellectually?
0: Yeah, I guess not. I think that's probably, yeah, yeah, I think that's gotta be it.
1: Okay, that's interesting. What about, because, like, that final sequence to me where they're in that weird attic room or whatever, um, and they're watching her as this delusion is happening where she thinks God is coming... Like, to me, yeah. that was just the most insane sequence, like, ever. And I was totally gripped. Did Was that intriguing to you?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. When she's, like, freaking out and thinks God's a spider or whatever. Dude,
1: when she said that God was a spider, I was like, holy shit, that is genius.
0: Yeah, it's so fucking creepy and weird. And yeah, that was... Uh, you really don't know how it's gonna go, either. You, you don't know, how, like, before, find, before she starts freaking out, you don't know what, you know... Seeing like her face of God is gonna is gonna be like, and then it's just a just just fucking madness and and chaos and destruction so that yeah that that was definitely a very intense scene. I thought it was interesting how she gets uh he shoots her with like i don't know xanax or something to to <laughs> bring her down and it's it's interesting how it's basically. Just changes her demeanor. It still talks lucidly about the delusion, um, yeah. which uh, yeah, I thought I thought was pretty interesting. But yeah, that was that was definitely a powerful scene for sure.
1: Dude, it's a fucking incredible scene. Okay, last last scene where Minus talks with the father. And I read that most of the criticism for the film was around this particular scene and actually that Bergman himself, looking back on it, didn't necessarily like this scene, how it capped it off.
0: Huh. Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah, tell me about your, your thoughts or opinions, though. Where he says, um, love is either proof for God or love is God.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't really connect with the like philosophy of what was, was going on there. It just seemed a little bit nonsensical to me i mean i could sort of get into the the vibe of it a little bit but that just i don't know that was just like a kind of strange and somewhat nonsensical conversation in my really in my mind yeah
1: interesting i thought it was really powerful obviously like yeah i didn't necessarily completely agree with the philosophy of it either but i thought it was an interesting way of looking at things and that obviously it was important for the father's character how he yeah and Minus kind of learned to relate to Karin's condition and how they can still help her in a sense by loving her, even if mm. they can't truly do anything to help her with her potentially. Probably at that time it was an incurable condition, just horrible. Right. And then obviously it's really important that Minus is finally connecting with his father on a deep level about Karin, too, which is important. Yeah. So I thought it was cool. I thought it lot brought a lot of those things full circle, and if that wasn't there, I agree that it might be a little bit of a drastic tonal shift, especially because nobody seems especially sad that Karin is gone or uh, shaken at these really intense events where they had to drug you know, his daughter and all this stuff. Um, right. But I thought thematically it brought a lot of things full circle that maybe it wouldn't have felt as complete without that scene right so yeah yeah yeah
0: it. I think that's fair and it, it is cool that Minas and uh, his dad are actually connecting finally and he he is having that conversation that he's wanted to have for so long um dude and he says yeah, some crazy
1: is. stuff he's like he says something like the earth like burst open and I was there or like something super insane and the dad's like yeah I know what you mean and it's like holy
0: shit yeah yeah, it's also interesting, like, the, I don't know what the right word is for this, but the sort of, like, framing of the shot is interesting, where the Minas is just, like, looking very intently at his dad, and his dad is just sort of, like, gazing downwards, yeah. just in intense thought. Yeah, I think it was nice to see them process that together. Oh, and also the, the helicopter was sick as fuck.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, it makes sense that the ambulance is a helicopter, but, like, I didn't even... We don't really think about that. It's, like, a vehicle in our society, usually, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're on an island, so it makes sense.
0: Right, yeah. It's a pretty funky-looking helicopter. It looks like a dragonfly or something.
1: Is that what she interpreted the coming of the god as the spider to be?
0: Oh, interesting. This helicopter,
1: and then the helicopter is, like, making a lot of noise... And like opens the door huh. or whatever. It does. Look, yeah, yeah it's not
0: a normal looking helicopter. And I don't know if Sweden has different helicopters or something. But <laughs> that is, I kind of assume that, I think. that Because I've never literally in my life seen a helicopter that looks anything like that. So if that's unusual, even in Sweden, then I feel like you have a pretty decent case there
1: it could just be a 1960s helicopter or yeah it could be a european helicopter or who knows
0: yeah or it could be the spider god
1: the spider god descending <laughs> upon us <laughs> yeah so yeah dude let me what would you like what would you rate this
0: let's see so as you know i don't go above three stars on a, a first watch sure but say you did oh wow that's a.
1: not that you would yeah you would probably rate it three stars or
0: below is what i'm feeling but but okay, interesting. So that's if thats completely
1: self-imposed.
0: So. Okay, so let's say I'll I'll frame it as my prediction for what my my rating would be after a second watch, and okay. that I actually feel like my rating that that might be fucking up a little bit because I actually do feel like my rating would go up if I rewatched it, but on my first watch I feel like I would be, maybe like maybe like two and a half stars. Wow, dude,
1: you're doing my boy ingmar dirty i know
0: i know and it's like i'm not i'm not proud of that being my rating necessarily but i and again i don't know if this was like sometimes i'm just not fully in the movie mood mentally but it was just I, and maybe part of it was just that like this this movie feels kind of bad to watch um kind of like discreet charm i mean a very different feeling but but where it just the, yeah, it's it's not like you're just feeling great watching it. It's more like to the extent you feel good, it's just because you're interested in it. But the actual mood is pretty is pretty bad throughout. So I don't know if maybe it was that, but I just um, yeah, I just wasn't that sucked into it, or and I was sort of you know just just getting through watching it. Yeah, I mean that's but valid. It's, but it is it is weird though because. Like, talking right now, talking about it with you, I'm remembering all these scenes that I, and like pieces of dialogue that were, that I was just like, oh, that was like actually really cool. And that did kind of stick with me. Um, I also think for whatever reason, I missed like exactly who the characters were. So, which I feel like maybe I was just not that focused or something. I didn't know for sure that Martin was the husband. I thought maybe he was like started as like a medical assistant like prior to the movie or something and then they start a relationship. So it might have just been that I wasn't focused enough to really be getting everything out of it.
1: Interesting. No, I didn't even realize that they were married too. Obviously, I knew that they were in a romantic relationship or whatever, but I don't think it explicitly says that they're husband and wife. Okay.
0: I thought I thought maybe I just missed them them saying it or something. But yeah, I I, I didn't catch it and I wasn't really sure exactly what was what was going on there yeah i mean it it is weird like i feel i feel like i just have to give it that kind of rating because i i just wasn't personally enjoying watching it that much but it's like a clearly very powerful film it's beautiful visually a lot of the stuff going on is beautiful and the characters are interesting and um you know that's a very intense case of this you know sort of system of people getting getting ripped apart over a very brief period by a woman's descent into madness like it's it's clearly a a very interesting thing going on but when i watched it yesterday i just i just was not all that into it for whatever reason
1: yeah no i mean i feel that i think it's valid and i obviously you said the similar thing about Ambersons. And I'm wondering if maybe these kind of like family dynamic films that are really about yeah the relationship and the dynamics between the family members, if those just don't grab you and you're like, well, I'm not super invested
0: in two people, like not having sex or whatever. <laughs> whatever. I don't know. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. No, you honestly, you might, you might be right. And it sounds like that really maybe is um, the kind of thing that you, you really connect with but I uh I was listening to I think our our 10 episode retro or 10 10 film retrospective and uh today you you at one point mentioned you like you're like yeah by the end of this I'm gonna like have like perfect recommendations for you or whatever and we we're sort of talking about how this is part of what we're doing here is just getting a better sense of our own taste with film so yeah I appreciate you you noticing that and uh pointing that out
1: yeah dude by the end of this you're gonna be like i'm gonna have you under my finger i'm gonna be like shrek 4 (laughs) is your favorite film of all time and then you'll watch it and be like holy (laughs) shit it was
0: yeah that that for when i'm feeling fun and then when i want to go deep i'll just watch transformers dude Dude, actually holy shit i I should have mentioned this sorry sorry to interrupt you there but i should have mentioned this back in our sort of film history our first episode so I, i totally forgot about this but when i was literally five when i was in kindergarten i remember it was i think transformers and Megan Fox is in it. Yep. And there's this scene where she's, like, walking away on, like, a hill or something. And I I remember I was so just, like, in love with her from watching that movie that I was devastated by that. Like, the, the, I remember the next day literally being in kindergarten and being, like, depressed that I wasn't with her.
1: Okay, are you ready for me to blow your mind, though? Yes. You are misremembering that because... The movie Transformers 1 came out in 2007, which you would have been older than kindergarten.
0: Whoa, wait. Okay, it's...
1: And I saw Transformers in the theater, and I must have been eight or nine years old. And I do remember Megan Fox. I just have to say, there's this scene where like Shia LaBeouf's car breaks down, and, like, Megan Fox, like, opens the hood and is like, oh, yeah. well, the problem is right there is your carburetor. And he's, like, looking at her boobs. <laughs> and that was, like, the height of every young man's fantasy in 2007.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. I I almost am, like, wondering if I have the movie wrong. Cause, but uh, maybe not. Maybe it really is just... That's weird, though. That's... I, I, You could be conflating it with another memory of you being in kindergarten. I could yeah. be. I could be. Or I could have a different movie, but who knows? That's interesting. Well, an yet another thumbprint on my brain left behind by film. I mean, why do we even talk about
1: great old black and white films? We should just be doing Transformers <laughs> Yeah. and every Michael Bay film like he's ever made. Yeah, true. I mean, I'm serious. Like, next episode, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Dude, wait. Isn't there one with, like, dinosaur Bro, Transformers? Megan
0: Fox and Machine Gun Kelly are together? What? Dude, this is... See, this is what we need to be talking about.
1: Yeah, dude. This is the true film, like, dessert.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what? I know that the film Flamley would would hold us... Would, would take us to task if that's the turn we took. And that's why we appreciate all of you listeners.
1: Uh, I have a couple... Small curated letterbox reviews. Oh Mary gave the film four and a half stars not Transformers This is for through glass darkly (laughs) Mm. And she says "Uh, I didn't understand shit (laughs) and this has a (laughs) hundred and twenty nine likes so I think a lot of people were like Okay spider god uh, (laughs) are, Are the brother and sister are just hugging each other they love each other right, normally. Right. Dude, this guy gave it one star. Says, Yeah, I don't think Bergman is for me. The Seventh Seal was a massive disappointment. But this was just straight up bad. Wow. I don't think I could tell you anything which happened. And these films with, quote, deeper meanings don't seem to be my sort of film. Wow, dude. Wow. One star out of five. Yeah, that's... this was as boring as, cool <laughs> as they get, he says. Holy
0: shit. Damn, dude.
1: Dude, I'll just tell you, this guy's a fucking idiot. Ben E underscore 06. He yeah. was probably born in 2006 and is like, I don't even know. He's yeah. like an 18, 17 year old kid. Just a fucking idiot. Yeah,
0: if it, what's his name again?
1: Ben E underscore 06. Okay, dude, if anyone, really trashed this yeah, guy. if
0: anyone knows where Ben E underscores 6 lives, please email no. us. We will read it. <laughs> well, the, if you have his address or know when he's different places, when he gets home, what time he wakes up, any of that information would be great. And if I honestly just go, just go fuck that guy up. That's, that's some bullshit. No, we do not. We, we endorse, endorse violence. violence at, dog uh, no, we do not endorse. Mostly film plan, plan Colin.
1: Okay. Last letterbox review. This person says, I for one, welcome our terrible stony faced spider. God, <laughs> I assume with open arms or eight open legs.
0: <laughs> nice. As, <laughs> okay. as long as they're related. That's, that's
1: all I have for us here.
0: Good shit. Thank you, Letterboxd folks, as well, for your... I mean, dude, they all... It's like... I don't know if this is just how you pick them, but it's like... They're all clearly Letterboxd reviews. Like, it's such a particular niche of people. It is
1: how I pick them, but you're absolutely right. It's just this certain... Dude, they, I love how even when I'm wrong,
0: I'm absolutely right.
1: Okay, now... All that's left is for me to go to Sean's watch list on Letterboxd and pick a movie blindly dude, from Dude, that's there. so
0: crazy, bro. You you give me shit on me choosing movies, and your process of choosing movies is going to my watch list. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know, it's because I forgot to pick one. I could do my watch list, though. Because yours, dude, you're so funny. You have Discreet Charm on your watch list. Oh, like, shit, really? As if we haven't seen it. I've also seen Manchester by
0: the Sea. You. I think I have that on my watch list, just to rewatch it. Dude. Freaking ridiculous, dude! Wait, I have
1: a. Here, you want to go? You want to go totally out of left field? Yes. Like just some crazy, really? Yeah. Cool. Okay, let, let's do Bananas, the Woody Allen film Bananas. Dude, sweet. From 1971.
0: I am down. I actually don't know if I've seen any Woody Allen movies. Oh wait, seriously? Then we might actually have to do a good one. Because that's like before they got good. Dude, wait. Yeah, let's not watch a shitty movie. I mean, I guess okay. we could. Actually, honestly, at some point it might be interesting to do that. We're going to do Bananas. <laughs> but... wow. All right. All right. Well, we will see what Bananas holds for us next week on the Film Plan podcast. And thank you for joining us. This We sacrificed our watching of the second half of the Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl Sunday when we're recording this. So that's how much we care about the family. Colin, do you have anything for all of our wonderful, beautiful, inspiring listeners? No, I did not. All right. Film (laughs) flam. Film (laughs) flam.